welcome to episode 152 of eventually super train i am your main host dan how are you how you doing i hope all is well this is a short-lived tv show podcast we cover short-lived tv shows that never got enough love eventually we will cover super train and in this episode we are covering we are starting off with galactica 1980 with the great christopher blind myself discussing episode six space ball not as funny as you'd hoped it might be then the great Amanda Reyes and I are discussing the second episode of the second season of Lucan, Brother Wolf. And then I complete my journey through Gemini Man with Return of the Lion. Let me play a little bit of Galactica 1980 or just some sort of Galactica theme. And I'll be on the other side giving you a little plot breakdown. Enjoy. <laughs> Episode 6 of Galactica 1980 aired March 30th, 1980, written by Frank Lupo, Jeff Frelick, and Glennie Larson, directed by Barry Crane. In this one, the, uh, the Super Scouts from the previous episodes end up on a Little League baseball team, become part of a championship series of games, and they have to use their powers, or not use their powers, depending upon what part of the episode we're in, to win the game, or not win the game. And at the same time that they're in there, uh, Xavier has returned in a different form, very elementary form. Catch my drift there. <laughs> and also those um, Army, Air Force, whatever the hell they are, guys from the previous episodes are after them too. So it's basically, it's, it's a bit wacky, bad news bears, but with super-powered kids and um, some other stuff going on. So uh, let me play a little blast of something, and the great Chris Blind myself will be on the other side. Baseball! <laughs> Watch out, Mel Brooks. <laughs> How you doing, Mister Bly? How are you, sir? Not too bad, you know. Just, it's just uh, all we gotta say is uh, we got a lot of balls here. A lot of balls, <laughs> balls here. So this is the uh, sixth episode of Galactica 1980, and it is the kids play baseball episodes. It's sort of the bad news bears, but with super powered kids and Sherlock Holmes being a jerk. Everybody. Uh, Aww. Aww. So, and the first of the episodes not written by Glenn A. Larson. Yes. And I think yeah, one of the writers yeah. is Frank Lupo, who was who used to write with uh, Stephen J. Cannell. Stephen J. Cannell. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who is it? Let me. I got it right here. So it's created by Glenn A. Larson. There's Jeremy Brett getting out of the vehicle. Frank Lupo, Jeff Freelich. And, oh, it's Glenn A. Larson and Glenn A. Larson. So. And just to not confuse everybody, we know this deals with baseball. So also just to note. Jeremy Brett, not related to George Brett, so it wasn't kind of like a Major yes. League Baseball yeah, inclusion they, or they weren't trying uh, to do that. some sponsoring. No, it wasn't that because Jeremy Brett, different from George Brett. Yes, mm. Not even his son. When I first heard the description, I thought, oh, they're going to probably have his son in here to play the baseball. And turned out that Jeremy Brett was a totally different person. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of space ball? Just one ball, ladies and gentlemen, just one ball. One meatball. Okay, uh, there's, there's an old song about that. Okay, getting back. Um, I guess once again we're down to switching here. You know, 
because we're given an almost multi-episode recap at the very beginning. And we notice that we have a character played by a wonderful actor uh, that was mentioned and even seen for a few seconds. Now we're told that this character has now taken the guise of something else. Hence the reason why we have Jeremy Brett in this uh, particular thing. You know that you're in trouble and dealing with something that's not exactly kosher when you have an accented uh, Galactican yes. uh, that basically uh, doesn't sound too much like an adversary or much less a protagonist. Mm-hmm. That one. Yeah. Uh, so already you know that something's rotten in Denmark within the first five minutes of yeah. the show. Yeah, and basically, it yeah. comes down. It, it comes down to a lot of fragments in the show, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like there's a lot of oh, this person's being clear, but there's no tension in there. It really feels like it tries to be like okay, we got to have one that's kind of away from our uh, our stars, you know, like you know, like when the other show happened to do like a western or did something different. It's like okay, this is more of a away from the mission kind of situation mm-hmm. and kind of going diverting from that. And they figured. Now, last episode we had to deal with a, we have a, you know, plant that's polluting the water. We need to do something about it. You know, ha ha. You know, well, this <laughs> one, we basically have like, oh, we have a, um, we have a baseball team that's on its last legs, and if they don't get any funding, you know, yeah. uh, the thing is going to go down to hell. And of course, our wonderful reporter friend not only is now practically like the custodian to the super scouts, still not referred to as that on the show, by the way. <laughs> yes. Do we all assume that now? Because, like, I guess I so, know. yeah. It's like, you guys are just scouts. You guys are just super kids. Hey, I know. That's what they're... And also, I guess, do they feel like they're like slightly Kryptonian in this case? You know, yeah. That's... Almost like they want to tread on the waters here, you know, or mm-hmm. walk the tightrope of some kind, you know, on mm-hmm. that one. But um, but here they say, like, well, basically our reporter friend is saying, like, you know, hey, instead of that uh, very important uh, reporter job that I uh, – this reporting uh, – story that I've got. I got a better story. I heard about this this uh, down in its luck camp that's got a baseball team that really needs help and I think I'd just be the person for it. Way to kind of link us into this inclusion to this, <laughs> like I said, a TV version. And I think, I'm not sure if the Bad News Bears TV show had happened yet or soon would. You know, mm, but uh, but check, sure, yeah. I, I, I think this was a little maybe after that. But it's just, I guess I they think figured so. they got... Remember, we have these guys that are a mix of, that's right, Bad News Bears, and six-pack, because they know what the hell to do to a car. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so basically, they get the orders from Dr. Z on this one. They, they kind of uh, say, like, you know, oh, something now, keep in mind, too, our dear friends not being down on Earth are sabotaged with this ship, have to figure this thing out, and we wonder, are the Cylons close by? We still don't know, because the last time they had a saboteur in there was one that these things were kind of coming through the air and kind of giving us a battle, but leaving mm-hmm. uh, a couple of things that were not moving. They seem to be like having the master's degree in sabotage. Mm-hmm. But not the case in this one, because it turns out it's a fellow officer that went missing uh, in the one of the very big ep- first episodes of the show that basically now has taken on another form. Yes. We are never explained of plastic surgery or anything like that. And what kills me is I said, you know, I love Richard Lynch. There is a guy that I would have loved to continue to be included. Mm-hmm. But they've switched them. Yeah, they, yeah. They put the bait and switch. So, as cousin Oliver got switched out, yeah. So did Richard Lynch. You know, it's like it's one of those things. So basically, you know, this uh, they have an officer that's basically going rogue, 
mm-hmm. uh, this uh, it was basically the same guy. So like, I know I'm gonna try to get to the bottom of these kids. You know, like the same military guy that we had on the last one that was so cautious about UFOs, but now mm-hmm. he's been reduced to a desk job mm. on this one. So yeah. at that desk job, he decides to go against the grain and go a little more and say, like, you know, I still want to know what's up with these kids. You know, almost sounds like a Scooby-Doo episode if you really want the truth. <laughs> no unmasking, though. So it's like, mm-hmm. But uh, the, the, yeah, it's basically, you know, that these kids learn things very quick. Like they're put into the TV studio and they say, like, you know, oh, I know how this wire goes. And, of course, it indirectly finds out, hey, has somebody on the side been fooling around with this camera? Yeah. And it wasn't the kids. You have this combed over, mustachioed, like, <laughs> hey, what have you done with our stuff? Who called you kids here? That kind of thing. <laughs> he's, he's easy on, as UBC. He's, right. he's, he's out here right broadcasting now. On that one. I don't know if that was a mix of saying, like, this is my FU to NBC because yeah. I've got so many shows on the air, it's not even funny as we way too much time discussed. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, but uh, but basically, while the TV is functioning, the ships aren't. You know, it's it's yeah. a weird thing. It's like I don't know if they're connected in any way, but you know, I guess they can. And this kind of wouldn't foresee to say to say to yourself, with these kids knowing how this equipment works so well, does this foresee that an alien force is actually running a network at the moment oh, or at some time in the future? Yeah, that kind of that kind of gets you you know onto that situation because they seem to know what they're doing what the, yeah. and how to operate it. Now, you know, if they're going on the same network as they had, at least they had the good sense to have Ernie Anderson doing your promos for you. Mm-hmm. But um, with that golden voice and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure if he did the Battlestar Galactica ones, but he did a lot of key ones for ABC. God bless him. Anyway, getting back. Um, so basically, they kind of go into the camp and they say, like, well, our baseball team is not doing so well and all this and all that. Say, hey, how about we give the ball to this person? throws it it's like i said it's like a moment like twice so you're calling the super scouts this is obviously like uh like uh superman you know yeah. as clark kent kicking the football so you got like a ball that goes through the wall everything's like wow that gal had an arm like nolan ryan it's like fill in the player mm-hmm. you know that's popular at the time mm-hmm. followed followed by the story that brings you say oh if we do this on the news they can bring an emmy or a Pulitzer, once again, re- referencing Superman, saying, yeah, Lois Lane always wanted one of those things, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did she ever get one? Yeah. We don't, we, we still, we, we never got to see, like, the, the, the awards ceremony, if she ever did, you know? <laughs> it's a good question. I mean, I guess the DC people weren't exactly thinking about that at that time. Mm-hmm. So. so basically, it's like that, and of course, uh, Adama, uh, with the identity of now who this rogue officer is from the Galacticans... Basically threatens him amidst the sub the sabotage is like you must come up with uh, my solution. And of course, yes. he goes as far in a very fractured sort of way to say like, oh, I love children. So he kind of gets himself involved with this baseball team. To what I have no idea because it really leads nowhere. To be honest. Yeah, <laughs> and the way the way Jeremy Brett says I love children, um, at one time may not have sounded as absolutely creepy as it does now. <laughs> But it yeah. sounds like, it sounds, no, 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 no. Well, it's continuing this, like, we have another villain, and it's Space Gestapo. Again, yeah. You know, so Space Gestapo has returned in the form of one person, not the same person, you know, but it's it's the same person, but they said, oh, something changed within him. And I said, guys, you should have kept Richard Lynch. Richard Lynch is fantastic when, he, mm-hmm, when it comes yeah. to a situation yeah. like this and brings yeah. the presence. This guy is kind of like... 
like the, the dollar store Jurgen Brock now here. You know? Yeah, it's it's tricky because I mean Jeremy Brett is is one of the best Sherlock Holmeses of all time, but he's of uh, he's 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 playing. He's he's playing the replacement for Richard Lynch here in an episode that, uh, frankly, isn't as interesting as what Richard Lynch was doing in the previous episodes. And so well, not only that, you know, you have a guy that basically has an accent, and I said, well, wouldn't you want to disguise your kind yeah. of sinister plot with sounding American here? I mean, come yeah. on, could you work on that? You know, like, I mean, hey. You know, you, you, this happened in history, and I'm saying, like, you know, you couldn't go for the reverse. Let's say, I love children. Already we know you're the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, and the moment he begins to speak, and you're like, oh, boy, yeah, that's a bad guy. Yeah, it's 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 so weird. It's just the way they sort of signpost it. And, yeah, Troy and Dylan get in the spaceship and go do something or other. Oh, yeah, this isn't this isn't going to go badly. Uh, it's interesting because they have actually a, a nick, you know, the teams that eventually end up playing each other, are, are the Cougars versus the Polecats. Now I ask you, in a name like that, you know, are, are we assuming that the crowd that's going to be watching this game in there is all going to be like, you know, to the other name that they would call like Soccer Moms at one point there? You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, I feel like you've used the other two names of them saying like, well, that kind of forecast would they end up as, you know, or get named in this future that we have here presently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, um, this is a weird episode because it's, um, uh, you know, my favorite bit is is that scene where they take the camera apart and put it back together. That's fascinating. I, I find that, and and because at one point the kid is discussing, like he says, you know, that discusses the fact that at, on the picture tubes you have five hundred and twenty five lines that make up the picture, and and I, it's it's funny. I I don't know as. as to anyone watching now on on you know your current TVs, I, I I don't know how current TVs work. It's high def, it's magic, but it used to be lines. TVs had lots and lots and lots of lines, and now it happens to have plasma. And who knows whether you get that from the local blood bank or doctor? Yeah, precisely. And, and they used to have like when when TV first started, they didn't. Ha there weren't very many lines. I know, for example, in Britain. It was something like there were like 400 lines, and then in the late 60s, um, around the time of the Enemy of the World Part Three aired in Doctor Who, because that was the first one, they they went up to like I want to say like like 525 or five something or other. So that's a point where the the quality of the TVs, not not what they were making, because they were shooting stuff, you know, if they were shooting something on 35 mil, you know, like I Love Lucy. If you were watching I Love Lucy in 1951 on a TV, it probably looked like crap. But they shot that on 35 mil, and if you have the Blu-ray of I Love Lucy, it looks fantastic. So it's just the TVs we're talking about here, not the actual way they made the shows. Although the early video looked like crap. Um, but but it's I, I like that when he's discussing the lines, and I thought I know what he's talking about. <laughs> and I thought well, I'm an idiot. But uh, it was it's it's still fun to watch. And that was actually probably my favorite bit with the camera right there. I, I kind of would that, at that moment, I I um I I quite liked the kids right there, yeah. especially when they were getting one up on that kind of cheesy guy with his comb over and his his mustache and beard. There, that was my that was my favorite scene. I will say it's always nice to see Adama. I Doctor 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 Z there. I'm getting um. I could I could do without. I'd like to th I'd like to think that um that that character since this is the second 
actor playing that character is that like that this is Doctor Z is maybe like um like uh, you know Tweaky has the the scientist in the circle on the front of him. I forget mm-hmm. what the scientist's name is. You know, uh, so, uh, doc- on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so so when you see Tweaky, Tweaky is actually a robot who is transporting the brain of a scientist who who is on like an electronic thing that's like a circle on on Tweaky's chest. And I almost want to say, could Doctor Z be like some sort of mind that is passed down from child to child, and it's like. And it burns out the minds. And so, like, maybe Adama has, like, a back room full of, like, little kids with burnt-out brains just in a stack. Well, it could be, like, a tweaky uh, human kind of combination being yeah. Dr. Z. Maybe cyborg kind of thing or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, and you notice that, you know, this one also has at least one canon guest star as well. Oh. Uh, in, the, in the form of, of Paul Coslow, who plays a one-armed coach. Yes. Mm-hmm. I guess something I, – I, they give a, look, a little explanation to it, but not much – you know, and, it's, and once again, I think we're going into fugitive territory because, you know, you know the, that was all about the race for the one-armed man yes. in that case. So yeah. we actually have our one-armed man case in this one. And then you have the game where the kids give a lot of the other, the opposing team gives a lot of shit talk. Yeah. They're really not doing that much because they're kind of doing like the uh, the Jack Jack thing or the uh, the Dash thing in the Incredibles where it's like, oh no no no, don't use your powers uh, so much. Mm-hmm. Kind of like hold it back a little bit, hold it back. I mean, this was. Something that both of the Incredibles movies kind of covered. Yeah, yeah, it's and, and there there is, we'll say that that kind of it slightly got on my nerves near the end because it's sort of like, all right, um, show them what you can do. Wow, those kids are great. Oh wait, you have to stop showing them. Wow, those kids stink. No, no, show them what you can do. Those kids are great. Stop showing them what you can do. Oh, they stink. Show them what you Stop doing that. That's so annoying. Well, will you stop it? Otherwise, you're going to burn yourself out. What will you be then, you know? That's... It's like, don't watch the TV so close. It's going to hurt your eyes. And it's... Will your eyes come and go be after that. You know, it's like and that. It's, 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 it's weird, too. First off, I will say that it's strange that the captain of the other team they play is a little kid with a big beer gut. I don't know what that's about. I don't know. If uh, that... We'll also go one better. I said, now batting for our team, uh, Mr. Frankie Lupo. Isn't that such a reference over <laughs> yeah. there to the writer here? Yeah. Yeah. And and there's and I, again, I don't. I, I kind of like the fact that they sent Troy and Dylan into the middle of space, stranding them on the ship. I kind of like that sort of sideline plot. Although there is one moment where you see like. There's a freeze frame of a ship, and I thought my Blu-ray seized up. Mm. And it was just like, I thought, what's going on? Why is it a freeze frame? And then you hear him talking, we're not moving. And I thought, well, because you're a freeze frame. You're, you're, you're still frame. You know, you're not, of course you're not moving. You're not, you're not something that can move. Well, then, I guess like the kids, they ended up having to do their own little fix-up kind of yes. thing. Like where the kids had to fix up the television, they ended up fixing up their ship. Yes, and and but but I, I like that they sent them away. But but it, it's so weird because it's like so Troy and Dylan are doing that. Um, you know, Doctor Z and Adama are wor- worrying about Z- Xavier, who's doing his thing. Plus, they're also plus mixed in with all that is you know that guy who runs the baseball camp. He was almost the real star one time. But there was an accident, or whatever the hell happened to him. I don't know. He sold his arm to someone. I don't know what what went on. But uh, he's having a and he's having a tough time with his camp right now. We got to help him out. No, you know what we got to do, everybody. We got to get the people from the Galactica onto Earth. That's what we have to do. We don't have time to f around with some guy in his baseball camp. Doctor Banner, help. forgive me, is still walking around 
if yeah. I remember correctly, it's, at this time period, he can help. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny because it's like this. You guys can move. How, how long does it take to move on to a planet with all the – with the? There's, it doesn't seem to be as many people as there once were when the original show was on there. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't be that hard a job. You guys know how to disappear. You guys know how to, like, you know, write yes. in and write out. So it's like I said, what's – What's so bad about transplanting? You're not, you're, you know, the funny thing is, too, you don't have the INS coming in to really give them a proper, like, talking to. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, I mean, like, Jamie is running around this entire episode with 12, like, 12 little kids, 10 to 12 little mm. kids. You know, and it's and there's never, I mean, they must be able, they must be, like, able to, like, feed and take care of themselves because mm. there's, no, there's no sign that, like, there's any parenting going on. Or anything. It's just like twelve kids, and I, I, I keep thinking too. They spent their whole lives on a ship going through space. I can understand them being smarter than the average kid on Earth because there are no distractions and things. But why are they like Superman when they're on Earth? Why? I would think they'd be the opposite. I would think they'd like hit the Earth and like the gravity would like just well, be dr making them drop, like pulling them down into the ground. Yeah. I, well if they use that ability, you know, on the ships there, they're going to fall through the ships and get out of the atmosphere and we're going to lose them. I want to put a couple Earth kids up on the Galactica and see what... I, I bet... I, I wonder if they did that and it was like it would slow them down and they'd be walking really slow gravity. Yeah, it, would, it, would, it, would, it would balance it out. Yes. yes yeah. I, it's... it's um, How many kids are there? One, two, three, four, five... Oh, they're off the screen now. Was it, oh, well, 12, Jamie. because remember they had, to, they had to... Well, they had to get 12 for the camping. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's, oh, here's the freeze frame shot, 21 minutes, 30 seconds in. Just the freeze, it's just the still frame of the, of the ship. And and then when it cuts to them in the ship, it's clearly moving. Mm. So it's like, now what are we doing there? We can't, we can't, you, you possibly on 520, 525 lines on your mm. picture tube TV, you may have been able to fool people. And my grandma had a black and white TV at this time, so you might be, have been able to fool her. But on Blu-ray, no, sorry. Now, of course, they didn't imagine we'd be watching this you know the way we're watching it but um, still it's and I, you know what i actually dylan and troy in space i kind of prefer them to when they're on earth because when they're on earth they never seem to know anything that's going on they're constantly mm. getting slang wrong they're constantly getting everything wrong and that's amusing for a little bit but it, unless you're going to go full on like like um you know um Gracie or uh, you know or Lisa from Green Acres Malprops, mm. then then just just teach them better about what's going on, and, and so we we can we can skip all that because because that because because watching them in space in the ship I like them all of a sudden, and they've been kind of getting on my nerves in the last few episodes. I think it's time to get some new recruits for Earth area between those Possibly. two guys. Like Keep you keep you into the galaxy, but have others go down and do your scouting for you. Possibly, you know, or and, and poor Jamie though. I mean, she can't really. Really, it's like there must. I'm so surprised there isn't a point like halfway through where she's watching these twelve kids and thinking, "What the hell am I doing?" Yeah, but it's like I'm not your mother. I'm watching that. that's I just... Who gave me this job? Those two guys. And then she goes all rogue and decides to go after our scouts here. And, and then it's going to be really interesting. It's like, yes, we'd like you to be part of the Galactica Empire here. How would you like to be one? And then so like, yeah, where where is the Cassiopeia? Where is the, yes. uh, where, is... Where, where is the, uh, Drew Lockhart is missing here. Come on. Mm -hmm. you know, it's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pieces, key pieces here, you know? Yeah, and, and I, I will say that Xavier really doesn't know how to, um, 
he, 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 I mean, when he first appears to Jamie and he's got, like, his turtleneck sweater on and he, like, you know, he thinks he's in a slasher film on in camp yeah. in a camp and he reaches out from behind a, a tree to grab her shoulder. Well, like, he can't no. out sinister sinister, basically. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, look at me with my turtleneck. Do you like children? Very much. Ooh, uh, yes. I love children. Yes. You, and, and, and he has a turtleneck, but he doesn't exactly have a turtle. So precisely. <laughs> Um, so, so I mean, to me, I, I, I liked that the episode wasn't a two-parter because one of the problems I had with Super Relief. Scouts was I felt like they were st- stretching it, um, and and this they're not stretching it. Everything moves pretty well, and there's well, there's a, there's a lot going on. But, they do but, say about uh, stretch. They used to say about Super Scouts that they they do leave stretch marks. Yeah. So true. The uh, the the only thing again I would ask is um. Is this really the route we're going down? Is it going to be a series of adventures with these kids doing supery things and getting pursued by bad guys and by um, guys from the Air Force? Is this really is this really the show? If you were a huge Battlestar Galactica fan, 1978, 1979, you went to see the movie in the theater, now you're six episodes of Galactica 1980, is this really the show you were hoping to see? Because it was basically I, a contract fulfillment, I think, of saying, "Well, we got it. We got you know a, a order for this many shows, so we got to do something. We got to fill. We got to put out. We got to produce something. Mm-hmm. We must put content out there, whether it's you know teaching you know teach the kid the children well, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like we like to get back to the galaxy. Yeah, giving us a compromised budget that mm-hmm. basically doesn't get us to do the grand stuff that we did, you know, the season before this, mm-hmm. you know, and did it well." And as goofy as it might have gotten, it still remained in that universe, despite the fact we had a couple that were yes. a little diversionary. I mean, it also makes you wonder if this is like an eternal backdoor pilot, you know, in a case like that. True. Like, we want to spawn off the Super Scouts and make them make like their show, having yeah. their own show of their own because we all know how super they could be. And if this little world doesn't work uh, up, up there with uh, Lord Greed, uh, hopefully he'd be shaving in a couple of episodes. <laughs> going, you know, going after that, so like, hey, maybe we have another avenue where we could go, or if yes, we have to do, another officers, route. Yeah. Try to look look for more flying saucers. Mm-hmm. We have the officers out of that. It brings up a lot of possibilities, but yeah. doesn't kind of cut it to a center of this is where we're going. You know, yeah, so. yeah, it's it's sort of it. It, it sort of really leaves where I was hoping the show would go behind, as it's trying to find the the avenues. The avenues it's traveling down. I don't. Um, I mean, if if the rest of the show is is you know four more episodes of following these little kids around as they get wacky adventures, you're going to hear me say less and less over the next four <laughs> episodes. Um, uh, and just, just I, I I think the moment where I thought I don't know what this show is anymore was just that moment where the guy in charge at the station just said just just gave his speech about yeah this guy he was uh, he was going to be that like I said the great baseball player but the accident and da 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 and I thought. Who cares? <laughs> well, it, it's almost like giving more of this speech of this used to be this big show where it at where, where yes, it exactly. galaxies and worlds and exploration and everything else. Now we've kind of gotten to Earth and we don't know where to go to yes. on Earth or outside of Earth. In that if, case, if, so. if if there 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 must there must have been a way. And I mentioned this in, in I think in the previous chat or whatever. Just like the 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 rush of Quincy and the rush of Battlestar Galactica at the starts of that. And what they did worked and was right. Whereas Galactica 1980, the things they're trying, 
I mean, they're, they're like, again, they're not unentertaining. That's not really a word, but you know what I'm saying. They're not, they're, they move. Yeah, and it's they, not unwatchable. It's not unwatchable, that, yes. But, 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 at but this, you know, it's just one of those things of saying, like, you know, if I was in that audience right now, would this be something I'd be regularly watching every week? And the answer is probably, probably not, you know, uh, kind of, because I go like, I don't know what this is. I mean, it's nice this is Galactica because you want to kind of watch the brand. Yes, and Maybe exactly. something will change. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the instance right here, it's kind of like going into the, once again, we're catering to a family audience, mm-hmm. the family people, the family kind of stuff. That, I mean, even I don't think, uh, as far as I know, I don't think the Hardy Boys want this way, as far as I know. <laughs> no, I don't but think the, so. But uh, which I believe also was a Larson show, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, uh, it was. Yeah, yeah. And, and kind of like my my kind of like uh, uh, go to in a case like that, because you know, it had to me still one of the greatest TV themes ever. It did, if anything. It did. And the opening but credits it, were great with all the books. Oh well, the books and also the you know when they're going through the mazes and they had that. Yes. One thing I could say about Glenn Larson. He knows how to do a glow really well yeah. when it comes to, like, shooting it, whether it's in the beginning of that show or on the show mm-hmm. at any time. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's and I always said, like, well, I'm surprised they didn't have uh, Bill Fraker, who was a DP, who knew how to do a, a glow with such color and such, mm-hmm. like, brightness in a, in a feature film. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if, oh, did, did he employ his skills on uh, a, a TV show like any of the, the Larson shows? I mean, even... Mm-hmm. If it was it, uh, Buck Rogers had a few episodes yeah. that had that as well too. Yeah. But um, that's why I look at some of those industrial, like stock footage, and I kind of think of like, oh, where's the building that uh, that they always seem to go to? That yes. they show the outside of it with like the high sky and everything yeah. else like that. Mm-hmm. So, but it's one of those ones where tolerable, yes. Yes. Watchable, yes. Yeah. Following, well, that can be debatable. Yes, that that's that's a tricky thing at the end. Of the, I mean, I mean, we're obviously. Um, just because of the podcast here, we're obviously more invested in it than your average person who was. I mean, I mean, I imagine that your average fan of Battlestar Galactica, if they bought the Blu-ray set like I did, Galactica nineteen eighty was a fun extra. Mm. You know, when I when I bought the set, I don't I don't know if I noticed that Galactica nineteen eighty was included, but then when I got it and it showed up, and I was oh okay, there we go, I'll finally watch this. You know, it was, it's fun to ha- it's fun to have the complete thing in a box. Sure, and not only that, but also, too, I said, we're glad that we didn't get this separately from the box, because if we did, we'd be saying, like, what the hell were we thinking in this case, yes, you know? Yeah, because I think they did release it separately on DVD, I want to say, um, uh, before they did the Blu-ray. I, I want to say it was a separate, like, two di- two or three disc, di- like a three disc DVD or something like that. And I could right. see, like, going, buying that separately and being angry with yourself. Mm. And, and one one more thing I gotta say when the when the big game starts and they show the cheerleaders one of the cheerleaders is slightly ahead of the others I just saw her when they all leap up in the air they do their thing they stop and then one of them suddenly jumps up in the air a bit and then stops and looks around mm. and, and then the others go and I thought she's having some fun she's yeah you got you got you gotta love the the off uh, putting of sync you know, yes. <laughs> Uh, so, so what else do you have on this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna scan my notes. I, I think, I think, I think we pretty much got everything yeah. covered here in this case. There, I mean, yeah. it's like there wasn't exact. Well, here's the other thing: they had like a glow ball that was over in the show. There, mm-hmm. uh, they said like we couldn't introduce something like that that kind of you know mm-hmm. did its own little maybe kind of like the the same kind of Bugs Buddy effect of the uh, one, two, three strikes, you're out. Like yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> one, two, three, three strikes, strikes, you're out. Yeah, so that would have been fun. 
I mean, there's some fun things to it. That's it's not without that. But at the same time, it's like you wish there was a little bit more of a consistency. Mm-hmm. Yes. That it was at least because I said trying to bring the other guy that was kind of like a waste. You know, if you think yeah. of it, it's like, like we bring the German back, but oh, we don't really give him much to do except mm-hmm. you know sound evil yeah. with the accents. You know, saying I love children. What does he do with the children on this one? Nothing. Nothing. He just absolutely yeah. said, "What the hell? What the hell did you bring him in here for?" Yes, you know, he just, he stands you, around. You could have. You could have. Well, probably Lynch probably took one look at the script. The script saying, "I ain't doing this. Thing. Forget it. I don't no, need to be nice. part of this." Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, let's let's bring uh, the next uh, person in here. You know, it's... It, it, it almost feels like if there if there had been a like Galactic nineteen eighty comic. This would have been a fun issue of the comic. Oh, yeah. But it shouldn't and, and, have been an episode of the show, I don't think. And you probably could have included Johnny Bench in a case like that because you later on. You know, basically, uh, yeah, like that, it, just, it would be a great link into the baseball bunch right there. Mm. And then, there you go, we've made our Super Scouts into the baseball bunch. This yeah. would have been great. You know? Oh, that would have been fantastic. And See, once again, you come up with ideas like that say, yeah, I could have written the show or the comic that could have yes. been part of this better than what eventually ended up. But once again, network compromise. You had other hits on there. They thought they could have another one, and this one seemed to kind of go away from the, you know, well, we're still paying attention to our happy days yeah. and our Laverne and Shirley's and Morka Mindy's. And right it's, now, you know, it's like Galactica. Eh, well, kind we of. tried the first one. It's too much of a budget, so we got to cut it down. See, maybe if they come up with something, you know, shit out of Shinolo or Shinola out of shit. <laughs> Something like that. People are yeah, sitting around, I guess at this moment, waiting for Empire Strikes Back to come out. And um, sort of like, eh, yeah, maybe Battlestar. But we know we've got something better than this. Come yeah, on. And, and, and it's, it's funny you mentioned uh, bringing in Johnny Bench. There's a scene in here where I thought, did they hire the crack magazine writers? Uh, it's that moment where they tell the kids to hit the bench. And then they all run, and they start punching the bench. And I thought, first off, would it have been funny if Johnny Bench was in this episode, and it cut to the 12 kids beating Johnny Bench horribly. Oh, that would have been the greatest. And that it's would... like, next on the baseball bunch. Yes. Beating the, <laughs> beating the, the baseball bench. bunch. Beating the bench. Yeah. The super baseball bunch. All right, so, um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, this is a, it's, it's a strange episode. Um, it's, um, if you had left Troy and Dylan out... Um, you, you could have, I mean, you could have made a, an episode of something else entirely, I think. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see where it goes next, I guess. So, so if, if you don't have anything else, sir, where, uh, what are you up to? What's going on? Well, you know, I feel like, uh, 2023 is like an adventure and I've been catching a lot of big screen movies, some mm. rewatches, some first views on there, basically, you know, seeing the 35, the 70, the 16, seeing where it takes me, whether it's locally or a little bit more throughout the state or in other places. And uh, to learn a little more about that, um, if you keep keep an eye out sometimes, if I choose to post it, www.facebook.com slash Captain Bly. And on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd, you can see some of my other little additions that I could put amongst that or amongst what's going on with me normally uh, under the name Captain Bly 76. Excellent. And so we go from... Uh, space ball to a bit of Lucan.
Lucan, Season 2, Episode 2, Brother Wolf. Directed by Joseph Pevney, written by Sidney Ellis. Episode aired November 20th, 1978. Lucan is sort of in the the forest somewhere or other. And he, uh, he's, I believe he's going to meet up with Dr. Hoagland somewhere or other, but a forest fire breaks out, and he ends up rescuing a wolf that has been domesticated and bringing him out to the woods. And as that one jerk guy who was a bounty hunter guy, and now he's a he's a cop, apprentice, is after him, and Hoagland's around there somewhere, and this fire's burning. He and the wolf become pals, and he begins to train the wolf on how to be a wolf in the same way that a long time ago, a bunch of humans had to train him how to be a human, and uh, that's the the basic premise. This peril from Prentice and a fire and a wolf to raise. There we go. Uh, Amanda and I will be on the other side of this. Brother Wolf, season two, episode two of Lucan. I'm here with Amanda Race. Amanda, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I want us to dive <laughs> right in because we went off on some tangents. Uh, last time, I want us to dive right in right now to Brother Wolf. What did you think of the second episode of the second season of Lucan, the second season of the rebooting of the premise of this show? What a breath of fresh air. This episode is so good, and it, it's kind of like watching last season of Lucan. Mm. It's it's kind of like maybe they shot this, and then Zagor got that phone call, and they were like, you know, we're going to cancel your show if you don't fix it. And he's like, oh, no, we have to do this other episode. And this feels like a throwback. The um, it's an interesting episode because if you were to ask me the story, I'd be like, nah, I'm not sure. Yeah. But but it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because it's this really beautiful story about this poor captive wolf who has to learn to kind of like make it on his own, and it's kind of his coming of age story in a way. And and in the side in the background is Prentice chasing Lucan, mm-hmm. but that feels like such an afterthought yeah. to me. And, and although there's some really good stunt work in this episode too, oh, we yeah. talked about the last episode. This yeah. from, and I think that was Kevin Brophy. It looked like it through much of it, yeah. Yeah, really amazing stuff. And um and it it's just like this this filler in a way, not bad filler, but mm-hmm. like, but it was so much of it was just about him and this wolf. And it reminded me of the episode that of course I can't remember the name of it now with Leslie Nielsen, where he goes to look for the wolf that raised him. Mm-hmm. And that one had a much sadder ending. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like this is paying the audience back for us having to endure that because that really broke my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we have like a happier ending for this wolf. And he's such a beautiful, <coughs> beautiful wolf. And he was so yeah. sweet. And I don't know who trained him, but he was a really good little actor, mm-hmm. and also that raccoon appeared in the last episode yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. It's so nice he's to see a the regular. Again. Yeah, yeah. He's a regular, and um, and he's adorable. Some bears. And, um, yeah. Yeah. It, oh, the bears! Like everything about just like Lucan being out in the wild, and you know, it has such a reverence for nature. Mm-hmm. The episode, and and I was thinking about that because this came out in the '70s when there was a huge push for environmentalism. Yes. I mean, even Nixon was like he he established the Environmental Protection Agency. Mm-hmm. And so, like, a lot of stuff was happening. Earth Day, I think, started in the early 70s. And so this feels like, I mean, maybe all of Lucan was intended to be a comment on that. But certainly this episode is, mm-hmm. like, embracing those kind of ideologies. And and it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. I um, now, now, yeah, when it started, I was a little worried because there's an annoying family uh, with a fat kid. Oh, that's right. Would James be sicking as the dad? Yes. And because kind of an annoying family. And, and very briefly, you think for a brief moment, I thought the episode isn't going to be about this family, is it? 
And luckily it's not. Yeah, I was shocked it was James B. Sicking. So my first thought when I was watching the credits was, so James B. Sicking would go on to do St. Elsewhere, and he would sometimes show up on Match Game 83, which was that Match Game Hollywood Squares mashup, which was a really great game show. And he would like, you could tell he wanted to be funny, but he's not a funny person. And yeah. and while I would watch him on there, I started to develop like a lot of deep feelings for him. And I was <laughs> like, he's a little sexy. Yeah. And because uh, he's very kind of dapper, you know, yeah. and and very like he's kind of elegant. I can't think of the right word for that. And um, and so I was like, ooh, sophisticated, or... sophisticated. Yeah, like like a hot older dude. Although I'm probably the same age he was when he was doing that, or even older. But like. But like I was like, oh, he's that hot older guy that I would have loved in like 1983. And so, um, so when I saw he was in the credits, I was like, ooh, James B. Sicking's a little sexy. Although I do <laughs> think he goes on to be Doogie Howser's dad, and I don't remember him being sexy in that. And then, and then I was like, so I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. And then he's got this obnoxious family, and he just yes. makes a lot of funny faces. And I'm not used to James B. Sicking making funny faces, <laughs> and it was weird. And I didn't understand. It's it's a weird episode because it starts off and you think, oh no, is it going to be about that family? Then a cop shows up and says, there's a forest fire raging this way. Everyone get the hell out of here. And then he frees the, Lucan frees the wolf because they're just going to shoot it. That's, that's it. Well, we can't do anything with the wolf. Well, just shoot it. Okay. Well, it, was, it was kind of weird because the guy who had the wolf, it was like a sideshow attraction. He had cars and stuff. And, mm. and like... He's, he thinks he's doing this really good deed. Yeah. Because he says, oh, you know, in the winter, I'm going to take him. In the winter, not now when the weather's really good. In the winter, <laughs> I'm going to take him up to so-and-so mountain, and I'm going to set him free. And you could tell that the guy genuinely thought he was doing this kind of, like, noble yes. act. And Lucan's like, you shouldn't do that because he's never been in the wild, and he won't know how to take care of himself. And then the guy says, well, he's going to have to learn somewhere. Or he won't make it or he will, you know, whatever it is, I've given him his freedom. Uh And it's like, and it's such a, such a, like a self-centered kind of nasty. And it's like, wow, that really upset me. I I think that was where the episode worried me in the beginning because it starts off with an annoying family and that guy who looks like he's pleasant at first, but then the more he talks, the less pleasant he becomes. And I thought, I, 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 I need Lucan to be in a nicer place in this episode. Yeah, well, he gets there, luckily. He, and, and he also, gets there, yeah. The fire was amazing because it was just like you could tell that they just had, like, smoke behind a couple of trees. Yes. And you're like, oh, look, because they're like, the fire's coming, and you're like, the fire's actually 10 feet away according to the way they've set up the smoke. <laughs> so you better run because he's right there. But it turns out to be this, like, amazing episode with really just him and this wolf and then Prentice kind of running Every around looking while, for him. Yeah. It's, you know? It's, the thing I love about it was about halfway or so into I think there's a... I think the moment when they were fishing, when they were going after food and stuff like that, I thought like this is there's a there's a genre of film or TV I love from the seventies that's just sort of the the sort of vague seventies kind of you know like like the Grizzly Adams movie yeah you know which like... is just ninety minutes of him playing with animals you know and, and I'm the, into the, it yeah you know there's um or Sasquatch the Legend of Bigfoot. Which is just a bunch of guys wandering through beautiful Pacific Northwest. Sometimes it's snowy, sometimes it's not. You know they're not going to catch Bigfoot, so they're just goofing around. You watch them. Or one of my favorites, this kind of reminded me of The Force on Thunder Mountain, which is a movie about um, uh, a, a dad taking his son 
for like a camping trip, son and dog to the uh, for a camping trip, and the son doesn't want to go, but then all of, a, all of a sudden they encounter some weird things in the woods, and um, but 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 it's really basically like a nature film. It's just these two people and a dog walking through the woods, seeing animals, and there's something about that from the '70s that I love. Me too. And watching Lucan do that for a good. I mean, it's not a, a large, but but I would say like at least a third of the episode is just him and the wolf just wandering and trying to catch fish and playing with bears and goofing around. And whenever that was happening, I was just I was I said I could watch this all day. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I just loved it. The location work was beautiful. Yeah. And uh, and the wolf was beautiful, and the story is really lovely and. Like it was just it was it was returned to the last season, and it's still it's also about family building because it's about the wolf having to yes. find a family. And, and it was nice to see Lucan in in the woods, like like as opposed to like in the middle of a city, in the middle of yeah. boxing or something. It was nice to see him where he grew up, with an animal who should have been in there who doesn't know what to do. So he's having to. So he as a as a like a man in his early twenties is having to teach a wolf. How to survive in the woods, and there was something yeah. about that that was very. Charming. He said that too. He said they had to teach me to be a human, and I have to teach you to be a wolf. Yes. And it was like, oh, I just love this so much, and I just, I just want to watch that for like six days and and not stop. It was I, just I, beautiful. I would have gladly had. I would have gladly watched the full episode that was just like him, maybe freeing the wolf and just going off you know they didn't have to have the fire and all the other stuff going on it could have just been him in the woods and after like a week or two together the wolf goes off with some other wolves and then Luke yeah. continues his trek I was I was still worried about the hunting stuff and I still yeah. didn't like the fish thing I'm a vegetarian and that bothered sure. me yeah. but it was still kind of a funny moment because mm. the wolf ate the whole fish and then yeah. Luke was like that was our dinner we were sharing it but when the rabbit showed up I was yeah. like, oh, don't let him don't you do it. Yeah, yeah. I know but, you have to, but I don't want to see it. Y- yeah, we don't need to see it. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then there's the, the he, he actually has a scene where he meets a nice couple, like Elisha Cook Jr. and his wife there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're the, great. Just a lovely the, scene, and they have a dog named Fleabag. Fleabag. Who oh. the wolf had. And it's just a lovely scene where they're, they're, they're a little trepidatious, but they're also two just nice. They're like that couple who had the fake son. From like five or six episodes ago. Yeah, the, just I think we nice... keep talking about the Lost Boy. Yes. We we remember that one really well for some reason. Like, yeah, that, that's a, that's a great that's a, that's because because that that was not only a very good episode but it was also kind of an interestingly shot. Yeah. Such that was too. a sudden roll. We got rollied. Yeah, and this, and this one this one just they do the nature. I don't know where they're shooting this. I want to say it's Utah because that's where they shot Grizzly Adams. That's where they shot you know that's where the the sun films that the sun classics from the 70s they were all made in utah that's where james bryan made don't go in the woods it's these gorgeous and they look like the same sort of mountains and hills and things from those yeah movies. it's really pretty i actually lived in utah for a very oh. short period of time i worked at bryce canyon oh. and at their lodge and um i worked in the gift shop and i kind of wish i went by myself and i couldn't really stick it out for very long because it was really lonely mm-hmm. and i wasn't really fitting in because you know i love horror movies and i was thinking of my <laughs> I hung up my Tix poster, and that was really popular. <laughs> and um, 
And which Pierce Clary is in it. The, 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 I'm just alienating myself left and right there. And also the gift shop was all employees that were retired. And they were all very nice. And I did spend time with them. But I was also like 22. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. so like it was like just I couldn't make friends with the other people that who worked in the restaurant and all that stuff. And so but I did go hiking a lot because I had free time. And so like I had one day off. And on my one day off, I would, like, walk. One time I walked 10 miles by accident. Wow. Because it was so pretty, I walked five miles. And I was like, oh, I have to walk five miles back. (laughs) And I was not a very in-shape 20-year-old. And so, like, I was sore (laughs) when I got back. But it was great because it was so pretty. Uh I just forgot I was even walking. You know what I mean? It was just really beautiful. Yeah, I I feel like, like, looking at the mountains and everything here, it looks – they look like – they look like the mountains, like in in Grizzly Adams and the Sun Classics films. Whenever they go to the mountains, I, this I, I don't know if it, I don't I don't remember it saying in the closing credits where mm-hmm. the locations but I mean, are. But this ain't it. L.A. This ain't yeah, it was beautiful LA. wherever yeah. it was, and it was just it was just a really sweet episode that really recaptured what I felt got lost in the last yes. episode. Yeah. And so, so A, it was pleasantly surprising to have that and be like, oh, I'm sitting into a Lucan. Like, I remember Lucan. Mm-hmm. But also, like, it was just a really good episode. Like, mm-hmm. and I like, I like the idea of, I, we don't need, like, a lot of story. Yes. We, we have this premise. And we've also got this other connecting story that's been happening through the whole series. And then let's just put them together and see what happens. And, and they made something really good. And so I feel like sometimes what the point of that is that I feel like sometimes TV shows overthink things mm-hmm. when really your audience is there to at, see, to see, to be entertained. And this is entertaining. It doesn't have to have, be full of like, all this intricate plotting and stuff, you know. What yes, I, mean? I, I think that's t- today, especially that's that's something where episodes are plotted within an inch of their lives today. Yeah. And when you have a show that ha- will have, say, maybe ten episodes in a season, and one of them calms down, people will be like, "Well, did you see that episode where they did this? Oh my God, it was the best thing we've ever." You know, stuff like that, like you know. And then you watch it and you go, "Well, it's not the best thing ever." But what they did was they just calmed down. I think there's an episode of um. Is it The Last of Us, the zombie show? Oh, yeah, that's, I don't watch any new TV. So. I, I, start, I started to watch that, and there's an episode of that, I'm told, which is, I think, meant to be sort of like that. It's more of a more of a character study than a crazy running around kind of thing like the others. And people are, and I'm sure it's great, but it's one of those things, like, you could, you could sometimes tell, like, you know, because like, people are so used to everything being plotted like this and this and this and this, that when they do something like just a guy hanging out with a wolf for 20 minutes... It's like, oh my god, it was so amazing. It was like, yeah, it's just another way of telling a story. It's yeah, calm, calming down. Yeah, it was. It was just so good, and it was so refreshing. And, um, oh yeah, I loved it. I loved it. You know, and I, I, I have to say, I cried a little at the end. I thought it was really yeah, sweet. It's really sweet. It really does it. The, 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 the moment when he sends him away, when he hears the wolf's howling, he says, "Go to him." And then you think, okay, I don't. He's, the wolf's probably not gone. And then the wolf comes back, and he's been beat up a little. From the other dog, from the other wolves, you know, just kind of, you know, fussing and fighting on each other. And he's like, "Oh yeah, they're gonna do that." You know, wolves don't like humans, and they really don't like, you know, strange wolves. But then in the end, when he sees the wolf with the other family of wolves, it's a really sweet moment. And just that moment when Lucan kind of looks at them and then just starts walking away. Yeah. And then the wolf kind of stops what he's doing, runs back, and just watches Lucan walk away. Oh, I love that wolf. He was so just, great. 
yeah, it's it's a really sweet episode. And like like I said, for the first maybe ten minutes, I think until Lucan lets the wolf loose, I was like, "Where's this going?" Because uh, because there there is even though you don't really see a fire, you hear a lot about the fire, and you yeah. see a lot of maps of fire, <laughs> and and so, so somehow there was an enormous fire, and Lucan was able to run down the corridor between two fires. Good. And also, me. then it just ended. Like then then the fire stopped being a fire, and it was yeah. just like, well, I thought that was going to play a bigger part, but I didn't care. I guess at the end, yeah. but but it it did feel like they had it there, and then it just ended. I think the the fire sort of made it so that kind of like we knew that people probably were not going to be in his way. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, and um, uh, and I I, I was just glad I was terrified like two thirds of the way through it was going to be like it, like he and the wolf would be out there and they discover that camper from the beginning like crashed and like the mom and dad are dead and now they have to help the fat kid. Oh god, that's what nightmare. I was hoping. It would be like it was like he Lucan trying to help the wolf be a wolf and trying to help this annoying kid. That's what I was I was terrified that that was going to happen. Luckily it doesn't. Once they pull away, once the cop says get out of here, they get out of there. Yeah, and there's more like interesting Prentice stuff too because mm-hmm. like and it goes back again to the first season more so than the last episode we saw when so like there's this amazing helicopter stuff at the end like it's amazing that helicopter gets low wow yes yeah and and lucan is like running from him but he keeps stumbling and he also has to keep low because of the blade and everything but it's like when they do the camera shots from the helicopter the and i guess from the ground too i'm like that looks like kevin brophy to me and i'm shocked that he's doing that and it's terrifying me but like he so prentice has this moment at the end where he's like okay i've got my gun on him and he keeps telling the helicopter pilot put it put her down put her down and the helicopter pilot is like i can't and so prentice has to decide well do i just shoot lucan yeah and he could have just shot him in the leg or something yeah you know or or what but prentice has this kind of moral code that I think that makes it wrong for him to just shoot an unarmed man like that. He has to catch him. Yeah. yeah this is... And and I'm like, this is this is right back in the first season. Mm-hmm. You know, this is some this is this is a choice prentice the prentice of the last episode would have fucking blown him away and not thought twice about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is the prentice I remember. Mm-hmm. And um and I, I love that relationship. It's so interesting. And so like it recaptures all of that. So that that leads me to believe that this was made before that last episode. Yeah, or maybe yeah, like writ- written before it cuz there's really not you 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 really could in the in the other one there was in the previous one there was no I got almost no feeling of the the first season it could have been anyone on the run but yeah. in this one it feels more like a wolf boy on the run from somebody yes. who yes. just happens to have be suspected of murder and that that doesn't become a big thing we don't go crazy on that it's just that's why Prentice is there you know and and, and you know John Randolph meeting up with him just kind of like what are you doing here everything's on fire leave it alone give him a break that's right yeah and dr hoagland shows up too actually Mm -hmm. i was supposed to meet somebody here friend is like i'm pretty sure i know who that is no you don't it's my girlfriend you know and he's like hoagland hoagland we know no you don't know prove it yeah so but like we get a little john randolph there too and and in, in, in and in general i mean there, 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 there isn't as anything as 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 bad sort of writing wise in this one as the um, the scene where Lucan gets arrested in the previous one. But there is a moment where you get, um, I think the actor's name is Hal Smith, who's the mailman. He, uh, oh, you, yeah. he's great. You know, he he actually um, 
uh, he he was also in an Ellery Queen. He played the coroner, cor- coroner, coroner, <laughs> the coroner in the episode where they go to um, out of town. The Chinese dog episode. He he plays the coroner in that one, and um, he uh, you know him when you see him. He's in a lot of '60s sitcoms and '70s shows and stuff. And he plays the mailman who sees Lucan with the wolf. And then it cuts immediately to him sitting in a diner talking to three guys. And I saw this young man, and he was walking with a wolf. And directly behind him is a guy who, who whose back is turned to us looking out the window. And, it's a, I, he, and he was walking with a wolf. The guy turns around, and it's Prentice. Excuse me, you saw a gentleman with a wolf? Where yeah. was this? And I'm like, you're kidding. You're kidding. Really? <laughs> Really, like we're 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 in a space so close to where there was a fire, and they evacuated. Yeah, yeah, they evacuated everybody. But this town has managed to thrive during the fire. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's that 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 was um that the moment I saw his character, I thought somehow they're going to have Prentice encounter him, um, but I didn't think they'd do it that like just. It is cares. kind of funny that there was mail service, and yeah, now that I think about it, and that the couple was even there, and like, mm-hmm. like it, yeah, I guess the fire was weird, but I know they needed that as like the way to get it's, it's the wolf there, and and Lucan with the wolf, like like I understand, like it was kind of a plot point, but I feel like they just kind of forgot it existed. Yeah, it's it's almost it's almost as if they like maybe at one point they had something else that caused them to free the wolf to get the wolf out of there, but then they made it like the fire or something, but then didn't take into account that, you know, there are families that want to camp up there and there's regular mail service. And, and, you know, it's like, what is that old couple still doing there? If there was a fire that was so big, they had to evacuate the area just less than 24 hours ago. They're acting like, I don't, I don't think they at one point say, Whoa, what about that fire? Huh? Yeah, Ooh, that the was cop rough. references it because he can't. He doesn't want to give Prentice the helicopter because mm-hmm. yes, he says yeah. they're using all their manpower. But that's really the only re- reference, like post the first ten minutes or something, that they even talk about it. <laughs> it's true. And every once in a while, you'll see like a smoking log. Yes. And I don't. I don't mean that's not like a like some strange reference. I mean like a log that has smoke coming out of it. Oh, well, you know the smoking log. The smoke, the smoke. We're looking for the smoking log. The you smoking know the smoking log. log. That's that's the diner where Hal Smith had. Uh, had, had <laughs> it's actually located in Twin Peaks. The, yeah, exactly. You know the smoking log. But 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 it is weird because there there's a constant thing like when the plot needs to do it, the fire is important. But then things keep things keep happening in the woods where you think, wouldn't if the fire was so big, wouldn't things be affected by it it's like it's like only yeah only only portions that of the plot that need to be affected by the fire are affected by it um lucan and the wolf seem to have no problem with the fire that elderly couple seem to have no problem with the fire yet when prentice wants to get in there immediately with a helicopter it's it's a fire there's a fire yeah there isn't we were just there there is a fire we just don't like prentice that could be it it's it is it is weird that the more you think about it the more it's like the I, I, I do I, that, that that doesn't really make sense that I say that it, it maybe it was something else maybe it was but it's just it's just so it's just so weird that it's like well we can do this but we can't do this because there's a fire and it's it's but it doesn't ruin the episode in any way shape or form um, because the episode is still delightful um, but well, but, but, but here's the more a, you here's think about question. that fire. James B. Sicking is turning ninety this year. 
Oh my gosh. What do you think? You think I have a chance? Give him a call. <laughs> I'm wondering if he's married. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder if he still has that kid. Oh my god, he dumped that kid so fast. He's five foot eleven. Don't bring the kid. Oh, he's married. He's been married to the same woman since the sixties. Forget it. Oh well. Forget it. Forget it, Mr. Sicky, it's over. Yeah, and then I'm looking at it now and there are these yeah, there are these stock shots of of what looks like a, a mountain on fire and then it cuts to Lucan running through kind of a cool space where there's just all the, the rocks are smoking and the logs are smoking, but there's no fire. No, it's just it's just a lot of smoke, which is smoke. was killing me when I was watching it because I was like, you know, I mean, I, they have a budget and I yeah, get it, but it was like, wow, okay. It's it, yeah, it's true because they cut to like stock shots of stuff on fire, but as with the raging waters in the cliff during the big fight at the end of the previous episode, Lucan's never with fire. I don't think in the same shot. It's Lucan just, with fire. Radio Lucan PG. with fire. It's always just Lucan and smoke. It is. It is. It is weird the way the more I mean because like you said they have a budget obviously and they're not gonna you know and and I would bet if they were just back for four episodes I would bet probably the budget was slashed in some way shape or form I would bet they didn't have although this clearly is not L A wherever they are it's it's it looks nothing like the Los Angeles area so they went on some location shoot oh yeah they must have. By the way, I don't think he was on. Sorry, Sister JP's sticking. I don't mean to do this. He might have been on Hill Street Blues and not seen elsewhere. Okay, that does. Oh. Sound, I think he was in a. I think he was in a Battle of the Network Stars. Ooh. I want to say you'd have to check on that though. I feel like he was in there because he was a bit older than most of the. I could be wrong, but I feel like he was on one of them. I wonder why but, I thought he was on Seen Elsewhere of all things. Eh, they, sort of. I mean, when you when you. Pop culturally, I always I know they're not the same show, but they're sort of similar shows. But one's in a hospital and one's in a. Well, they're like these they, award-winning whatever, whatever. And, and they kind of redefine the cop show and the hospital show. You know, if you if you go to a yeah. modern-day hospital show, it takes you back to St. Elsewhere. You don't go to like Ben Casey. Maybe you should though. Maybe you should, or Doctor Kildare. <clears throat> I'm I'm just going to say I forgot to mention this last time, but when you mentioned that Claudia Jennings was going to be an angel. But yeah. because she had done some naughty stuff, they wouldn't let her. Back when um, uh, Mitchell and I were talking about Search, um, Angel Tompkins was in Search, and they let her go after a few episodes, I guess, because I think she she may have also been in Playboy, and she was, of course, in some nudie movies, too. That's so weird, though, because, like, Joanna Pettit was a Playboy playmate, and her whole, almost her whole career was on television. And yeah. I know she did do nudity. She was in that movie Double Exposure. And I, that's, I didn't know she was a playmate when I saw that. And I was like, Joanna, because I'm used to her on TV. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And I was shocked. But, like, she was a playmate. And there's another actress. She's in that movie I did the commentary for called The Victim. And she normally plays funny, uh, I can't think of the actress's name, but she was a playmate. Funny Phyllis Diller? No, it wasn't Phyllis Diller. Uh, but it was this woman who normally does comedic roles, mm-hmm. and I I read that she had a Playboy background. And I was surprised oh, to wow. see that. So it's kind of interesting the way they kind of pick and choose yeah. who gets. And I don't know that she got turned out for charges. That's the rumor. I've never actually looked it up. Like to, to I've never seen anything in writing yeah. that confirms that. But it's like it's like it's so funny who slips through the cracks and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, like James yeah. B. Sicking could have been in Playgirl. That's true. Yeah, I could've? don't know. Could have. Could have. Could have. 
Unless you're thinking of someone from St. Elsewhere. Yeah, unless I'm thinking of Mark Harmon, maybe. Oh, or you're or... thinking of, who's the guy who who was Kit on um, oh, William God, Daniels? Oh, God, I love William Daniels. Why not? He's also 90. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why yeah, not? That's... He used to come into the bookstore I worked at, and oh, really? my favorite thing about William Daniels was he's really little. He's yes. like Higgins, you know? And, uh-huh. like, uh, he would he would always get the little uh, footstool. <laughs> to get up to the higher books in the fiction sure, section, sure. and we'd all be really excited. And it was, it was, I, depending on how old you were, it was either for Mr. Belvedere, or not Mr. Belvedere, from um, oh my God, from Boy Meets World. Yes, yes, yes. Or I don't know where I got Mr. Belvedere from, or um, or uh, the show you just said, uh, Night Rider. It just depends <laughs> right, yeah. on which decade you came of age yes. in. Yes. That he would be like, but he was famous to everybody. Yes. Yeah. And um. Uh, and I think, for, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think um, folks were coming up, you're going to hear a little Galactica 1980 discussion, or maybe you already heard it, and that um, gentleman may be in the episode that we're talking oh. about. The Knights, the, the Cylons came to Earth. You're talking about William Daniels and not James yes. B. Sicking. Yes, not James B. Sicking. I don't think he's in the episode. I don't know why I, I call him like James was... B. Sicking. His name is James Sicking. Sicking. Ja- There's <laughs> no where B. The from? I don't know where the yes. P Speaking of P, speaking of P, there's a great moment where uh, Lucan goes to get some berries off a bush and give them to eat some of them and hand oh, them yeah, to yeah, the wolf. Yeah. But the way it's set up is that when Kevin Brophy, he he's in the foreground, the wolf's in the background, the berries are on the left side of the frame, and he turns, looks at the berries, starts walking towards them. You know, he has the backpack around his waist. And so as he's walking towards it with his back to us, he reaches down towards his waist to push the bag out of the way so he can kind of put it on his side. But for a split second, it looks like he's going to pee on the bush. Well, he does have to go to the bathroom. I didn't wonder about that. He, he is going to have to use, yeah, the, the bathroom at, at, uh, at some point or other. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it's, 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 it's weird, too, because you think all that smoke around them, they'd be affected by it. But they're not. They're not. They're they're half wolf and half person. Yeah, I guess that's. It's 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 a really interesting episode because you can you can watch it and watch for sort of the naturey stuff with Lucan and think they should do more of this. They should have. I mean, if this show had run for six or seven seasons and it was like a modern day show, you know, in like season four he would have gone back to nature, and we would have had an entire season where he would have just been living in the wild. I love it. And it would have been fantastic. It would have been this gorgeous nature-filled scene. Maybe he could have stopped some mean bears from beating wolves up or something. I don't know, something like that. Maybe, uh, maybe like, uh, you know, there could be an episode where, like, um, uh, zoo animals get loose. And so now they're all kinds of incongruous animals, like tigers and cheetahs or something like that, running around. This is great. Write this down, everyone. The this beasts the... are on the street. That's already been done with the Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or wild beasts. Someone could throw PCP into the water. And they could all go nuts. Oh, my God. Oh, there's so many missed opportunities. Yeah. So do you think James B. Sicking has a pipe? Do you think, um, I would bet he does. He, he, I bet he does. Not, not, in, maybe not, in, maybe, maybe at night after he's put his kid to bed in this and they're camping and he, maybe his wife has gone to sleep. He says, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to listen to the radio and, um. Maybe some big band music. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I'm thinking old time radio. Yeah, and like sit yeah. by the fire with my pipe. Some old, maybe this is some old Jack Benny or something yeah. like that. A dragnet. And, my smoking and, jacket. Yes, just light up the pipe and just enjoy. I think I love him. 
Sheriff Station Substation Number Three. I'm dying to know where this is because this is not in and around the LA area. This is, eh. I'd say it's Utah, but they probably didn't go all the way to Utah to shoot an episode of Luke. Cannon. They might have gone to Mammoth or something like that. Have you ever been to true, Mammoth? True. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or Big Bear, been. even maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, so what else do you have on this one? It's a good episode, folks. It's I a, think after after the worry of the last one. It's a great episode, and um, I love it, and I mm-hmm. highly recommend it. And uh, James B. Sicking, call me. <laughs> I will say my there are, there's a lot of did you notice that the um when they you see the map of where the big fires were and there's the um channel in between did you notice that the red outlines of the map looked like giant footprints I didn't no go cuz I'm wondering if the first time I saw it I thought I wonder if you were to go out to the woods where those those red marks are, would there be like giant like devil's feet or something like as huge as the forest? Devil's feet. Like troll hunter, like a gigantic thing was out there just stamping around, and that's because that's what it looks like. It looks like big Bigfoot feet that they they, they drew on, onto the map. Um, what was I saying? Not nothing about giant feet. You're gonna tell us what you thought of this episode. Oh, I like, like it. I like it a thought. lot. I like, I like, like I said, this, this is, um, there, there's a certain, there's a certain feel, there's a certain look. This has it, um, too, in that, um, it's, it's, it's kind of obvious that most of, quite a bit of Kevin Brophy's dialogue or Lucan's dialogue is being, uh, looped in later when they're out in the woods. So it has, it does, at moments it has a slightly, he, they do a good job of it, but at moments you can sort of tell that, you know, that's being looped in later. So there's kind of something fun about just like going out in the woods. You're not bringing the sound equipment because you're not going to use it with just, you just got the camera, maybe a couple crew people just to keep an eye on the lights and a guy and a wolf. And they just meander around. Like that's like Grizzly Adams is almost all like narrated, you know, and it's just, so that would have been just like taking a camera out and having Dan Haggerty goof around with animals. I love it. You know, and just and there's just and it's got that 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 seventies film look, which is fun. And the only thing that's missing is Bigfoot. Yeah, that's why I didn't like this episode. Yeah, that's, that's the one bad thing about the episode. But I would have been it. great if it if it like ended and the wolf family ran off into the distance, and all of a sudden you just saw like a Bigfoot waving. And Luke was <laughs> and Luke was like, yeah, I know Bigfoot. Did I ever tell you that I took a class here, a learning annex class? At UT, on a guy who's hunting Bigfoot. No. It's like by the guy. It's by a guy who's hunting Bigfoot. And it was just a two-class thing. We took two Saturdays, and it was like 40 bucks or something ridiculously affordable. And this, and I thought it was going to do, like, pop culture. Because uh-huh. I'm curious about Bigfoot and pop culture, right? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, Snow Beast and all that stuff. And, um... And I get there, and he's like, no pop culture here. We don't talk about $6 million man. Everybody cares about that, but it's not accurate. It's not accurate. I'm going to tell you about Bigfoot because I've seen Bigfoot. I have a photo of Bigfoot. And so the class went on, and he was pretty interesting. He was an older guy. Uh, I was surprised to hear he procreated and had a kid. That shocked <laughs> me. Um, in the second class, he was there to hawk his book, which I did uh-huh. not buy. And then he showed us the 
elusive, much talked about photo of Bigfoot. And I'm pretty sure it was a bear's butt with like some eyes drawn in. <laughs> and it, I was shocked huh. because up until that point, it was kind of interesting because there's a lot of Bigfoot folklore here in the Texarkana area. Uh, I guess because what's of, the, yeah you know the what's, border of Texas and so when I drove through Texarkana when Boggy I, Creek is that is that I don't know if it's Boggy Creek I do it must be because I was thinking of the town that dreaded sundown uh-huh. and I was like what if that guy still lives here what if he's like, not is, dead where is Texarkana in relation it's, to where you are oh it's way far away okay it's like, yeah it's, it's Texas like, so everything's kind of it's like away. a day and a half away from me but okay. like <laughs> but like um. I don't know if there's Bigfoot legend, but there's all kinds of stuff. They have, like, these weird lights that come off the swamp or something. Like, they have all kinds of weird, like, phenomena there. So, like, and he was talking about that, and it was actually pretty interesting. But then, like, he was talking about, like, how Bigfoot goes through, like, time-space portals. And, like, that's why you can't catch him because he goes through, like, doors. And then, like, the door will take him to, like, another part of the forest or another dimension or another time. And it was like, oh, gosh, he does a lot. And so, like, (laughs) there's a lot happening and I can't keep up with all of it. And um, and so, and then he's like, and here's my photo of Bigfoot. And there was like only like eight people in the class. Uh-huh. And we were like, what? <laughs> what? I don't believe this. This is a bear's butt. <laughs> I'm almost positive. At and, least it um, was like a chimp's butt or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, and we just let it go. Let him oh, have his dream. Yeah. And um, it was something else. So, wow. so yeah. So I'm very well versed on time portals of Bigfoot yes, and um, bear butts. I've heard, like, I've heard like the, I think I've heard the teleporting thing. For some reason, I'm thinking of like Skinwalker Ranch or something like that. Just, there's teleporting there or something. Uh, I could be wrong. I mean, I guess it makes sense if you're uh, going. I mean, Bigfoot doesn't make sense at all. So like, <laughs> you might as well create a whole mythology, and it makes yeah, sense in the mythology mm-hmm. if he's not like a creature of this realm that we know anyway mm-hmm. why can't he have all these fantastical yeah. elements to him but it's still really weird when you say it out loud yeah it is it is yeah i jeez yeah it's funny i i was i've only been to texarkana once for real that was when i was a little baby my parents we went through there um they they tell me that i don't remember it and then the second time i went through wasn't for real i was an extra on a pilot on a tv movie i think called texarkana with huh. sam elliott Wow. In it, and he was, I was one of the deputies, he was the sheriff. Oh, wow. He was a very nice guy. Aww. And he said, if the movie does well, guys, you'll all be back, because it'll be a series. Unfortunately, Aww. it didn't become a series. Man, that's so cool. You've never told me that before. Oh, yeah, that, that was, you but were we in didn't go to Texarkana. We do a podcast on TV movies. How did you not mention that? Uh, um, yeah. I Yeah, I've got time portals to travel through, and I've been fighting fires. I guess so because that feels like a really like important element you to would the think show. I brought that up. Yeah, it's six years later, and I'm almost positive that you should have mentioned it. I'm fairly certain I was probably an extra on at least one or two other TV movies. I'm sure you were. The... Yeah. I just can't believe you've never mentioned it. Yeah, gosh, what is? I apologize to everybody. I'm gonna, am I am I fired? You're pretty much fired until the next oh. episode because I need a host. So, um, but like. Um, yeah, so anyway, we got off topic again, and I really yeah, didn't want so, to do that. But, like, so going back to Dallas Season 9, 
I'm just yes, kidding. Yes, Dallas. Uh-huh. Isn't, isn't that great when they roll that, the Dynasty yeah. stuff with Dak Remember Ramble? that? Remember that? Um, um, but so, like, this is, this is an exceptional episode, and I think we talked about this on my podcast. So the last episode we recorded together was the Money Markham episode, which I'm still yes. editing. And we were like, God, when the movies are really good, it's hard to talk about them. Yeah. It's true. I mean, yeah, I could say how much I like watching the nature footage and stuff, but I don't know that that equates. That's very specifically me. You could you could watch it and um, want to just you know I don't know eat a bag of razors or something. I don't know. Drive I, you up the wall. I feel like people who like seventies TV will really appreciate that the seventiesness of this that that yes. is embracing that environmentalism and that kind of love of nature and the reverence for nature and all that stuff that was becoming really important back then, even in government and stuff. So like, I feel like I feel like. You can't talk about the nature footage because it's relevant, you know? Mm-hmm. And culturally, it's interesting to me, like, as somebody who likes to look back on yeah. these kind of moments that we had that make the TV and entertainment and stuff that we like. But it's just it's just fabulous. But that, I can't think of anything else to say because it's just such a yeah. touching episode. It's beautiful. It's really moving. And the, it's got a great wolf actor. It's got a great yes. raccoon actor. It's got great bear actors. The, bears, and, the bear scene is really fun. Yeah, and it also has some really great stunt work, and it's just yes. it's just really well put together. And maybe the next two episodes are going to capture that again. I'm I have a vague memory of the one that's coming up next, but the last episode does not sound familiar to me at all. So hopefully okay. we'll get some more of this first season, Lucan. I'm hoping, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because this is this is just 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 a fun episode. And I I got I, one more thing to say, and that that is during that crazy helicopter stuff in the end. I absolutely love the shot where you get sort of Kevin Brophy, and he's like standing in front of like a really big rock, and he's looking around for the helicopter to look around, and he starts to climb the rock. Then when he gets to the top of the rock, the helicopter rises up from yeah. the other side of the rock that's and right. just hovers there above him. That's really nicely done. Oh, God, everything. Yeah, this is a really well-put-together episode. And and I think the obnoxious family and that guy at the beginning are important because it mm-hmm. does have a sense of unease to it. Yes. Because you are thinking, oh, God, I can't spend an hour with these people. Really also, story, what's yeah. going to happen to this wolf? And this guy's really cruel, actually. And so, like, I feel like it, I feel like it does make you uncomfortable, but it's intentional and it does it in the right ways. So when it settles, you're, it's like, it's just like your body and your soul, everything just like envelops what it is because everything gets really calm and, and, and different, you know? And, and they actually sort of ties into something that Ty said in the previous episode, um, where he's, he's talking to, that Ty was the bad guy in the previous episode. He's a meanie. He's a meanie. And he's talking to Lucan at one point and he says something to Lucan along the lines of, um, I, I forget the line, but he says, you know, you, Wolf Boy, you should have stayed in the woods because we're a lot tougher out here. We're a lot, we're a lot, I, I forget, he basically says we're a lot meaner out here or something like that. He, well, he's right. And, and, and so there's kind of a thing like when the moment he gets in the woods and Prentice, and it's like Prentice can't get a helicopter. So if Prentice can't get a helicopter, we know until he can get one, he's not going to bother Lucan. So Lucan's out in the woods, and and who are they coming up against? You know, Elisha Cook Jr. and his wife. They're not going to hurt him. They're really sweet. And he comes up. They come up against a bunch of other animals. You know, in an episode where he's want, you know, like in the in the boxing episode, who's the first people he meets? A bunch of crooks who he gets in a fight with in an alley. Then who does he meet? Then a nice boxer. Who does he meet after that? A bunch of crooks who are making it. You know, but here they meet. He meets a wolf. Then he meets a bear. Then some other wolves and a raccoon. And there's something about like they could be just as you know mean in their own way as the humans are. But there's something about it that's more 
it's more innocent. It's more. Yeah. It's more uh, natural. It's it's like like when he what like when the big mama bear comes out and growls at them and they take off running. You know, it's not the same as like um, you know a jerk with a rifle yeah, wanting to shoot him dead or something. Yeah. And, and so there is a feeling like, gosh, maybe this is where Lucan should be. Oh yeah, I know. It is kind of a contrast to all the stuff he's had to put up with in the outside world. And to to know too that there are people like the old couple with flea bag and their horses and their chickens who are kind of on the border of it. Yeah. Who who like you know who know you know where we, they know where the wolves live you know they're two days that way that's where the wolves live you know and and that way that's where the human lives you you, you may not want to go that way. Yeah, avoid at all costs. You know so yeah. but there there is something lovely about because I I kind of thought the show would probably. Maybe not, because the point of it is it's a wolf boy acclimating to the city. So to take an episode, which is basically all nature, was a nice touch, and I didn't think it would happen. Um, and I, I was glad I was glad they did it, and I'll stop yakking. Gemini Man, episode 11, Return of the Lion, directed by Alan J. Levy, written by Stephen E. D'Souza, the last episode of Gemini Man. And of course it's unaired, as the last five of them were, and let me read you, as I have done before, let me read you my review from some Polish-American guy uh, reviews things. And let's see, here we go. Return of the Lion, La Retour du Lion. In Central West Africa, not too far from the Lampora Airport, there is a country about to burst into civil war. Actually, they might be in the midst of civil war already. It doesn't really matter. Groups of armed mercenaries, including Mills Watson, patrol the border. The country was once run by a dictator named Jamada. In order to stop the civil war from occurring or continuing, the UN have hired Intersect to fly Jamada back into the country and back into power. Sam Casey will be the helicopter pilot flying this pompous, self-involved man past the mercenaries. Will Sam and Jamada get along in the, this mix of the earlier Gemini Man episode targets and the Defiant Ones? Possibly, except no one in those was a deposed African dictator. This is probably the weakest of all the Gemini Man episodes. It is the mirror image of targets, in a way, but with less action and less suspense. In targets, the viewer cares about Sam and, eventually, the scientist he's trying to free from the bad guys. One can care about the daughter or not. In Return of the Lion, Sam is trying to sneak a dictator back into the country he ruled so he can rule again. It's an interesting plot thread, and it does make out Intersect as a true sort of multinational organization. They are there simply to do a job. Luckily, luckily for them, because they are there simply to do a job. Lucky for them, because Jamada treats Sam and Leonard like garbage. On a purely entertaining level, apart from a sequence with Sam trapped in a downed helicopter, and a sequence in handcuffs, this episode la lacks the general excitement of targets. It's not helped by Sam's basic question to Leonard, which is more or less, why are we putting a deposed African dictator back into power, and why do I have to fly him there? 
I'm sure it's the sort of thing governments do all the time, but Intersect isn't governments. It's Sam, Leonard, and Abby, who is not in this episode. Sam never quite seems to shake a look of distaste he has throughout the episode. Leonard takes a just-doing-my-job attitude. Jamada really does act like an aloof douche. Everything he says is grating. Yes, he is a dictator, I get it. But the episode, even after handcuffing them together, never quite resolved their attitudes to each other. How could it really? Sam knows about Jamada from the news and his exploits. But Jamada doesn't know anything about Sam, except he can fly a helicopter. Sam's a hero. He helps people. He's a good guy. Jamada accuses Sam of being racist several times, but Jamada hasn't seen 8, 9, 10, you're dead. So he hasn't seen the show dealing, very basically, but dealing with race. So we're not seeing those two new characters arguing with each other and learning about one another. We've got a hero that we've watched for a TV movie in 10 episodes, and an African dictator. Surely the dictator would be the one who needs to prove his humanity, but Jamada doesn't care. And Sam just wants to do his job. If only those mercenaries hadn't shot them down. Part of the problem, aesthetically, with the episode is that it seems to run through the exact same woods as targets. It all looks a bit too familiar, and the budget seems to have been reduced. There is no huge army in a tank. There is no huge motorcycle-slash-car chase through a compound. There is Mills Watson and some grubby guys with guns. There is Jamada and Sam getting in fistfights. But the show... Uh, does pull off one Invisible Man coup. There is Jamada and Sam getting in fistfights. The show does pull off one Invisible Man coup. Handcuffed together, Sam frees them from the mercenaries by turning invisible. So Jamada is seen running around with one side of the handcuffs up in the air, seemingly attached to no one. There is a moment when Invisible Sam takes a guy down as Jamada runs by him. That is hilariously entertaining. The episode feels like it's trying something. No one is sympathetic here apart from Sam Leonard and some of Jamada's former people. Both the good guys and bad guys are technically bad guys. The difference is that Jamada's exterior is slowly knocked down, especially when he and Sam sit down to dinner with the native people, and they basically state that they are not looking forward to having Jamada return to power. The first chink in the armor around this arrogant dictator. Seeing Sam turn invisible and then having his life saved several times, Jamada's life saved several times, helps. However... Jamada is put back in power. The final scene is Sam and Leonard heading out to Africa. Jamada is making a TV announcement in which he seems to have softened a bit, and he obliquely references his experience with Sam. Sam catches the reference and has a look on his face like, maybe he's changed a bit. But he doesn't seem completely convinced, and I'm not either. Jamada will never have to see that family again, and he'll never see Sam again. Are dictators one loan for changing their entire worldview just like that? My guess is no, but then my personality does not lean towards dictator. The running around action in this episode is fine. It's always fun to see Mills Watson. Abby is missed. There are some wild, invisible shenanigans. It's always nice to see angry Sam. But the locales rehash from previous episodes, and whatever the message is that this episode is trying to get across, doesn't quite happen. Maybe the ambiguity is the point. But as this is the last episode, and the show had never been ambiguous like this before, it feels like a mistake. So this is the last episode of Gemini Man. And my review, I'm going to stop at this point, my review mentions that I've got some um, ancillary, subsidiary material that I mentioned, which I may or may not talk about later on. Um, but yeah, that's that's the end of the episode. That's Return of the Lion. Um, I, I will say that I, uh, first off, I I think I, I think they are in the midst of a civil war already. The, the concept is that Jamada was deposed from power three years before, and they tried democracy, it didn't work, now there's a lot of fighting and uh, mercenaries and such, and Jamada's being sent back there to try to calm everything down and try to bring some sort of peace. I'm not 100% sure why him, 
because like when he like I like I said in there he they they have a scene where they they visit some people um who have a nice little house out in the woods and chat with them and um they act like they don't know who Jamada is but they know who Jamada is and they don't have anything good to say about him and um uh yeah it's it's a it's it's a, I I think I think I actually I actually got got it sort of here when I say that um yeah it's it's the that the whatever the message is it doesn't seem to quite get across i mean cuz like i said the, the i mean the basic premise of this episode is they're trying to put an african dictator back into power and you keep seeing him Jamada throughout and he's got this little notebook that he's writing little things in like you know he is the people and make have complete control of the newspapers and television you know and just it's terrible dictator things and sam is just it, it, it's weird because in, in the end, and I, I didn't say it in, in, in the review, but in the end what Jamada says is that he has arrived and they've sort of made him acting president, but he says he's going to step down and they're going to initiate proper democratic elections, of which he will be a part of it. So if they vote him in, great. If they don't, also great. And that's the way it ends. And um, I'll be honest, this time through as I was watching I kind of felt a bit more like maybe Jamada wasn't being as much of a jerk in the end I thought I, th I kind of felt like hmm, maybe he has changed a bit but then at the same time I'm not really 100% sure and of course the TV show ends here so it's so it's impossible to tell but there is an odd feeling uh, throughout of um, it it does I mean Part, part of me thinks watching it this time I didn't dislike it as much this time as I did previously actually I, I kind of sort of liked it about the same as I like Targets maybe actually a little bit more because the, the thing about this episode is that you have Jamada who is an African dictator and he is annoying and but you expect him to be whereas the daughter being annoying in Targets is actually kind of more annoying because you know, it's like Sam is actually trying to help and she's getting in the way and almost costing their lives, whereas Jamada, he's just sort of doing his... So so it's like, I mean, at, at the end of the day, from the TV movie and the, the 11 episodes, this one and Targets are the are the least of the episodes. But this time through, I, I, I think what I've done is I've, I've shed that problem I had the first time I watched it, where when I saw the format of the show changing in the last five episodes, I didn't like it. And I still am not fond of it, but that's what the show is and that's how it ended. So you deal with what you have. I, you can't, you know, I can't think to myself, gosh, if they, if they'd only turned it around or if they hadn't done that, then I'd like it more. Well, it is what it is. Do I like it or don't I like it? This episode, this time around, I didn't love it. Um, and I think I think the message is jumbled. I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, is is the the thing it's trying to say is yeah, you could put a like a dictator. You know, if 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 you know, well, let's go down to South America. We'll get Hitler. You know, if Germany, West and East Berlin. We'll we'll put put Hitler in there, and we'll he'll uh, talk to everyone and get everyone back together. You know, and it's not said that Jamad is is Hitler level, but he is he is a, they they do describe him as yeah being a guy who was who was put into power and then took over as a dictator. And if you know you're dictators of that time period they were not uh they weren't they well, i mean how many dictators are nice they they were not nice they were not nice people and um at all terrible <laughs> and I, i'm sorry that sounds a naive saying that but um but it's it's weird because it is a he is a dictator uh, yeah in the end whether or not he's the the thing I think that I find tricky about that very ending is I'd like to think that he's turned over a new leaf, but one of the things he says he's going to do is remember to get complete control of the media. 
well, wouldn't this be complete control of it right here to tell the world that I'm going to do this and then to do exactly what I want to do? Oh, gosh, I guess the more I think about it, the more I don't think he's changed at all. The the episode played, for some reason, it played better for me this time. The, the problem is that it's just like, I don't know why this is an episode of Gemini Man. It just, it just feels weird. It feels like it actually should be longer. It feels like, like I said, like it's trying to make a point about something. But what is the point? I mean, I, I mean, were there a lot of... I mean, was, was the demographic for this show when they created it dictators or ex-dictators? Was this an episode that was meant to be speaking to them? Because, like, Sam helps the guy out, but... um doesn't really learn. I mean, if the thing Sam learns in the end is that a horrible dictator isn't quite as bad as he thought, well, that's a pretty specific lesson and one I'm sure I'm probably never going to encounter. So that's, that's a ridiculous lesson. So if the lesson is that this dictator, through his adventure with Sam, becomes a better person, like I said, the fact that they have him specifically write down in his little notebook um, that has his game plan in it, control the media... I, I, I think I, I see what you did there. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's an episode that I definitely liked more this time than I did when I wrote that review. Um, but again, I also go watch watch the episode. And tell, like, after you, you know, I, for, for those of you who are watching it in a row, I'd love to know what you think of this episode because it's just such a weird, it's so weird because, like I said, it starts off with Sam going, why am I doing this? And it's basically, well, you're doing it because it's your job. And you have to do this. This is for your country. You got to do it. And the Sam's like, okay. And um, and the thing is, of course, is that he doesn't have to like everything he does. That, that's the thing. But um, they, and they get some adventures together. But I just, I just, it's funny. I feel like if the episode were maybe longer, and sort of the conversations were a little more nuanced, and sort of, because it just something about it is off like like i said there's sort of a strange ambiguity to it in the end what's jamada going to do next what it, exactly did he learn from sam did he learn anything from sam maybe he met someone else on the, on the trip and he's talking about them because he doesn't mention sam particularly it's so it's so weird and I, I could actually sit here for another 10 minutes and kind of stew on it but um yeah watch it yourself and see what you think i mean it, it is a lot like i said along with targets it is the least of the 11 episodes but i actually enjoyed it more this time it is like i also said targets is a more exciting suspenseful episode this episode this episode is tricky because there are a few suspenseful moments in it but then it does a really weird like targets has that great scene with the tank and sam turning invisible and them getting in the helicopter and all that excitement this has a really weird ass scene where it's we're going to fly jamada across these mountains um somewhere in the LA area and that's why I say everything looks familiar because they're running through the same sort of forests outside of LA kind of thing um, but they um, uh, the, 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 the thing that makes it so weird in the end is that so Jamad and Sam are on the run for a, a day or two um, trying to get from where their helicopter crashes to this sort of border place and it keeps cutting back to Leonard as he's trying to get a hold of them and he's talking to the people in charge. You know, we're not 100% sure where they are, this, that, and the other. We think he probably would have gone this way to here. 
And then there's just a weird, weird moment where at the very end, Sam and Jamada handcuffed together are running through the through the woods. They break out into a clearing, and there's a dirt road some distance away, but but within running distance. And and the, and the mercenaries with their guns are right behind them. The mercenaries start to fire at them, and then all of a sudden you see like several jeeps. One of them with like a mounted like machine gun kind of thing on it and they stop and they start to fire at the mercenaries and they drive the mercenaries away and then all of a sudden you see someone leap off of the car and rush towards Jamada and Sam and it's Leonard and he helps them out and then it cuts to wherever it was Jamada was taking Sam I'm like, okay, so we're gonna someone's gonna come over and fly you right to the capital and everything's okay now, you're safe and all you think when that scene happens is why didn't Jamada just do whatever it was that Leonard just did. I mean, I know they're trying to sneak Jamada in, but couldn't they have done that? Couldn't they have done that? You know, I mean, one of the things is they shave Jamada. To, I mean, couldn't they have just shaved him and maybe put him in a soldier's outfit with a gun and, and maybe sunglasses on him or something like that? But it, it's just very weird to have we need you to get him to this place, we need you to sneak him into this place, and then when they get to the place and they can't quite make it because these mercenaries have them pinned down, suddenly Leonard, who is at the start of it, is at the place. Couldn't they have done what Leonard did? I don't know, it's it's really, it's a real weird moment where you just, it, it kind of deflates the episode because it's like, why didn't they do that? And it's it's kind of it's kind of a weird episode overall because there's that bit and there's the the ambiguity of is has he changed or not in the ending and they're just feeling that, that, that it's trying like I said it's trying to teach you a lesson and be, because part of the lesson like like when the people are talking and saying how rotten Jamada was they don't want to back in power and then the sort of dad reveals to Sam yeah we knew it was him you know hopefully maybe us talking to him will change him and you never kind of really get the feeling that that's sort of going to happen and then and then it and then when you see him say it in the end it seems fake and it's just it's just it's just it's just a weird episode because like I said I don't think I've ever seen I, I really feel like if I'd seen something like this I'm sure we've seen a premise like this in a show like this before um, I'm sure I'm definitely sure we have like someone being forced to take someone who's really nasty somewhere but specifically to take a deposed dictator back into the country that they made miserable <laughs> and knowing full well that the people there are like oh we don't want him back just seems weird I, I, I feel like there's something missing from this episode maybe, maybe I'm missing something from social like politically socially of the time maybe there's something I'm missing but it's just it's a it's a weird episode and uh, I was going to say to end the show on but of course the show doesn't end on this unless you're watching it like in the, in the UK or something um, but when it aired in America, of course, the show didn't end like this. But it's a, it's kind of just a weird ending for the show. And I, I'm, I, like I said, I'm not. It's more confusing then, but sort of in the same area as the, the woman in Targets who like, she defected and she went to the Russia and then she came back to the U.S. Now she went back to Russia. Now she wants to come back to, or whatever it is she's doing. You know, it's like how many times do you allow someone to you know, come over to your side from the other side and then go back to the other side and then bring them back to your side. I mean, how many times do you do that before? It's like, maybe we'll find the information you have somewhere else. 
and just in this one, how do you bring a dictator back and put him power? That doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. I, I feel like someone something got re something got rewritten or something got edited and something got left out. It just feels weird to me, and I'm gonna stop talking right now because it's time to wrap up Gemini Man. I was thinking about it and I was originally if I was doing like an A through F, I was gonna give the show um, if it was just a TV movie in the first six episodes, and maybe the Buffalo Bill return, I give it a B plus. I think to me, it's definitely those episodes are definitely above average, um, and and the episodes. I I don't know that there are episodes. You know that I don't think there's an episode where I really sort of stood up and went, yeah, this is the best. But those the the TV movie, the first six episodes, and the return of Buffalo Bill are, I think, above-average television for the time. So I was thinking, like, a B to a B-plus for that, probably closer to a B-plus. But then when you factor in the last five episodes, I would say that drops us down like a B-minus, C-plus. Um, but then I enjoyed Targets a bit more than I remember, and I enjoyed Return of the Lion more than I remember. Did they annoy me? Yeah, they kind of annoyed me. Um and I am trying to stop myself from doing that thing where an episode can annoy me for a half an hour, then the last 15 minutes I really like, and I come away going, that was great, because Return of the Lion had, had, had sort of annoying moments throughout, as did Targets. Targets gets less annoying as it goes. Return of the Lion kind of doesn't, but if you get the groove, I mean, it is a dictator. You know, you're not expecting him to be like Mr. Rogers. He's not sneaking Mr. Rogers into this African country. I think if I have to give the show an A through F, I think I'll give it a B minus. It's a overall the TV movie, the eleven episodes, a B minus, which is above average, but not way above average. Uh, like I said, get rid of those last four of the five last episodes, then um, you bump it up to a B, possibly even a B plus. But as it stands, I'm going to give it a B minus. I can't see giving it a C plus. It's C plus is too close to average, and I think this show at its best is better than average. Those last five, the last five episodes, one of them, the Buffalo Bill, I would say is is a B, and um, the boxing one and the the one with Richard Jekyll are, I mean, C plus B minus, and the Return of Lion targets I would say are C's, maybe even C minus. Um, but uh, I, I don't normally rate like this, but this is the show I do quite enjoy. And it's funny, I've been thinking about shows uh, like this lately where, you know, I really do enjoy the show, but it's not like be because of the last, you know, because of the two episodes that are kind of, and the two episodes that are just okay, you know, I can't rate it higher. You know, it's like shows we've done on here, like a Police Squad, obviously, I mean, I would give an A. Two, Ellery Queen. I think I would give probably an A minus. A Search would be a B plus, A minus. You know, there, there's some some great shows we're watching. Cliffhangers, Cliffhangers is a B, B B plus. Um, uh, you know, and and some shows like Planet of the Apes is a firm C, <laughs> maybe even a C minus. You know, and that just it's sort of all you know, Auto Auto Man C plus, maybe B minus. You know, that kind of thing. And I guess let's wrap up this episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, next time there will be a brand new old show. It's going to be just me again. This is the brand new old show this time. It's going to be another show from the 70s from around actually the same uh, time. But it's sort of a... Well, no, not anymore. Okay, I'm going to stop saying what I was going to say right there. But it's uh, it's a show that I tried to do several years ago with a guest. And the guest kind of crapped out on me. And I I haven't quite been able to find anyone who 
wants to talk about the show in the same way that that guest did, and I can't get that guest to join me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do like with Gemini Man, where I wanted to do it now. This is gonna get done now, and it's gonna start up next episode. So be there, be good to yourselves. Look for us online. We're everywhere, and we smell great. Yeah.